smashed into the net by Kylian Mbappe. Depay! And he stretched it! Cornet finds Dembele. The first touch is good. The second is deadly. Neymar still! Oh my word, what a goal! Golovin! Lovely finish! Must be the opening goal. Benedetto! And Bagnon! Fantastic! Outrageous goal from Gael Kakuta! Beautifully done. Sensational. Who needs a European Super League when we've got a Super League 1? The title race here in France is absolutely thrilling. And over the course of this podcast, we'll be looking at all of the action from the weekend on this Le Bourgeois, the official Ligue 1 Uber Eats podcast in association with BT Sport. I'm delighted to say this week we have a full house uh, Robbie Thompson, our uh, usual uh, pundit, is along today after a very exciting uh, Saturday at the Parc des Princes. We'll bring Robbie in in a moment. Ian Holyman, executive producer, making an appearance. Hi, Ian. Hello there. Great to have Ian along. And we've got a debutant. We have Angus Tarode, who uh, has been commentating a lot of uh, the matches in Ligue 1 Uber Eats this season on the World Feed. How are you doing, Angus? Afternoon, Matt. Yeah, very well. A little bit tired after last night, but it was an exciting highlights to put together. So all good. Great. Well, it's uh, it's great to have Angus along. We're going to jump straight into the action because, uh, as I mentioned, it is very, very exciting at the top. And uh, I also mentioned that Robbie had some big games, two big games. Let's start with the uh, the first one at the Stade Pierre Moroy. The league leaders, Lille, were in action. The first game of round tw- uh, 33 at home against Montpellier. Here's what happened. That's a good ball in behind. Laborde's cross for Andy Delors. And Montpellier have scored. And it's another headed goal for the best header up of a football in Ligue 1. The ball for Arujo at the back post. Oh, and he's done it. Luis Arujo, the substitute. Fantastic finish. Cool as a cucumber. Well, Robbie, Lille rescuing a, a point in the end. Um, it was an interesting game, wasn't it? Montpellier are uh, a very difficult team to break down. They're good on the counter-attack. And a lovely goal from Andy Delors. And in the end, Lille were, were pretty happy to have scrambled a point with that 85th minute leveller. That's right. Um, hello, everyone. Welcome, Angus, to the to the pod. I'm pleased to see that we're not like the the new proposed Super League, and that we're we're still inviting new people to come and be a part of uh, this French football passion. <laughs> well, you mean that we Rob? Have. You mean we're we're relegating people if they're not they're not good enough as well? No, no. But that's all part of it. Then, okay, fair enough. Fair enough. No, there are there. Are, yes, okay. Promotion relegation. It's on. Bring it on. <laughs> um, so, and that is not a problem for either of these two sides who are both uh, well ensconced in the top flight, um, champions in 2011 and then 2012 as well, the two of them, back to back, to back Lille first, then Montpellier. But that was all a long time ago now. Montpellier aren't in the title hunt. Lille are. And uh, Montpellier, I'm not really sure how much they have left to play for. I think they have one eye on the, on the Coupe de France. They're involved in the cup quarterfinals coming up in midweek again against an amateur fourth division side. So they'll be backing themselves to have a good cup run this year. I would have thought they had one eye on that and not really one eye on, on their proceedings at the Stade Pierre-Mauroy. Um, all fool me because uh, undefeated in their last 10 matches, they were excellent in this match. They, they pushed Lille all the way. They scored a fantastic goal through Andy Delors. 
He and Gayton Laborde have been fantastic, outstanding this season. 12 goals and 8 assists each for a side sitting 8th in the standings is is spectacular. Um, But Lille did have their chances and uh, Christophe Galtier made the changes. He didn't didn't wait around. He he took off Timothy Weyer. He took off Jonathan Bomber. He took off Jonathan Iconi. Took off Benjamin Andre as well, their captain and leader in midfield. Um, And it paid off. It was a, a, a cross... Uh, from the right that that fell all the way to to Luis Arujo, um, who managed in the end to score a, a, a stylish goal, but he wasn't closed down. He had all the time in the world to pick his place. He had to do it. He did it with the outside of the left boot. It was a, a, a thrilling finish, but I think it's two points dropped for Lille. I would have expected more from them from the outset. Ian, uh, the look of champions, we've talked about it quite a lot this season. Lille grabbing points at the death, often winners at the death. Um, how do you how do you look at this one? I mean, the point does at least keep them on top with five games to go. You're absolutely right, Matt. It keeps their their destiny in their own hands, as it were. And I think this this is the sort of result where people usually say this is this is title winning form. It's where you think you're going to lose, and that you still manage to to scrape something out of it. I mean, for me, the two points dropped, let's say here, are not really. Not not such not not so damaging as the defeat to Nima a few weeks back, which was really a, a shocker and one that Lille should not have should not have uh, suffered. But Montpellier, very tricky side to handle, uh, as Robbie said, ten matches unbeaten, really good strikers up front, work hard for everything, t- tight at the back. I mean, and Omlin as well. Let's not forget Jonas Omlin had a very very good game indeed. Eight saves, I believe uh, they, they they tallied up the statisticians. Montpellier have taken points of the big teams, uh, the top five teams in the league right now already this season. This was a potential banana skin and Lille stumbled on it perhaps, but they didn't But they didn't fall. So I think that's a real positive for Christophe Galtier's side. Yes, Montpellier are a tough side to beat and yes, they are a, a sort of a side that when things go their way, they can produce something. I think that's 11 matches without defeat now, but it's like six draws in their last seven. I think there's only one win in that in that recent run. For Lille, what's most concerning for me is their home form. Because a side that's going for the title, yes, defensively they're very solid. Yes, they were undone by an excellent, a really excellent goal by Andy Delors. But And they have the most clean sheets in all of Europe, I think. 18, 18 clean sheets for, for Mike Mignon this season. But their home form, that's only three wins in 2021. Three home wins in eight matches now. I think they have something like the 10th best home record in Ligue 1. We know Paris Saint-Germain's home record has been, has been under scrutiny in recent weeks as well, and we'll, we'll get to that as well. But surely you've got to be bagging these points at home against a, a Montpellier side that, that, are, that are, you know, they're not, they're not in this title race with you. Perhaps it's good news then that um, three of their last five games are away from home then. And the two that they've got at home are against Saint-Étienne and Nice, who have not been setting the world on fire, although Nice at least are improving a little bit. I think that um, the thing that encourages me with them is Jonathan David's form. He's coming back, or when I say coming back, he's now starting to look really at home in a, a Lille shirt. They do have this habit of finding centre-forwards year on year. Last season, they, they, they rather struggled, but we shouldn't forget that they were second to Paris Saint-Germain the season before last. And they didn't suffer after going through Europe in domestic form, which is often something that happens to sides apart from Paris Saint-Germain. So I think that there is certainly plenty there to be optimistic about. Um, the, the only problem is, is that 
no match you can really say that they come into is a given that they will win. I mean, they, they when they, they didn't manage it against Neem, that was a huge shock. I and mean, when everybody was saying, oh, their title race is over if they can't beat Neem. But consistently, all the top teams keep on, I think maybe from the sheer weight of the games this season, coming at them so so fast and so often, three matches in a week, very, very regularly. I think that it's almost impossible now to really know who is going to win because of the fact that all the sides seem capable of losing a game that we all think they're going to win. Yeah, I mean, Lille, this season, they, you're, you're right. They've had to muddle through. They've had to dig very deep in a lot of games, but they've shown that sort of great mental strength, that that capacity to, to dig in and, and get results. What, what we're seeing as well, I mean, you talk about the unpredictability. Um, the games are just fantastic. I mean, I absolutely mm. I, I love the, the Lille-Montpellier and even... You know, after the 85th minute level, I think there were with a seven or eight minutes of added time. And Lille, Jose Font had been playing as a striker for most of the second half. Montpellier had one or two counter-attacks. I think Mavadidi had run himself mm-hmm. into the ground. I mean, you know, he's he's a really impressive player, a really good dribbler. And there were times where he could have uh, led a counter-attack and just didn't quite have, have the legs in the end. But it's, yeah, it's sort of not like, like a big heavyweight knockout clash where the teams are kind of... Um, slugging away, and uh, yeah, it's 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 making for for great viewing, and that was the case throughout the weekend. And we'll 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 look at, at the other matches uh, in a moment, but we're just gonna um, give you a chance to join in with our competition. We launched a competition last week when David Crossan was uh, was presenting. A bit of a fun one, this. Um, we do have an Andy Delore shirt up for grabs. Um, wonderful diving header from him at the weekend he's a he's a super player and his name also fits beautifully into uh, a famous song by the clash i fought the law i fought the law to win his shirt we're gonna launch this or we have launched this musical competition if you can think of any other league one players who have some good song titles do email in league one podcast at gmail.com and we will announce the winner in uh, next week's pod just to give you a couple of examples a couple of very good examples we've had uh, uh, a lovely suggestion from james kathy who'd written in and he's uh, gone for love don't cause a thing which is a play on uh, nicola cosa the montpellier defender love don't cost a thing by uh, jennifer lopez of course josh brown with a really good one life in the fast lane Life in the fast lane by the Eagles. I think I think if you go an Italian pronunciation of Nicola Cozza, it even works perhaps even a little bit better. Love don't cozza thing. Love don't cost a thing. Yeah, co- yes, true. And Thomas Delane, you kind of have to go with the Anglo pronunciation for it to sound like Lane, yeah. not Len. But but yeah, very good, uh, Josh Brown. Thank you for that. Um, they're contenders, but if you think you can beat that. Do get in touch. I'm surprised nobody has gone for my favourite murder on Zidane's floor by Sophie Ellis-Bexter, but we are only taking... A classic, Matt. An absolute classic. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> it's it's one of those good sort of French-related jokes. Um, I'll bring you a, a few more in, in another pod, but I want to <laughs> start quizzing Robbie on, on Paris Saint-Germain's title challenge. What a week, by the way, for PSG. Robbie, first of all, before I ask you a question, let's hear your commentary Paris Saint-Germain against Saint-Étienne. It was uh, the Sunday lunchtime game at the Parc des Princes. Denny Boenga has got the opening goal here. The ball in from Trauco. Denny Boenga with the right foot finish. 
No chance for Sergio Rico. Paris Saint-Germain really do need to come out and provide something here. Here it is with Mbappe. And they've equalized immediately. Well, something special. That man knows how to supply it. Di Maria. The little one-two with the Cardi. And now the pass for Mbappe. Mbappe gets there. And it's a penalty. Brought down by Etienne Green. Kylian Mbappe scores. And Paris Saint-Germain, despite a huge scare, leads Saint-Etienne 2-1. Buanga. Denny Buanga, who shoots, palmed out. Oh, and Roman Hamouma has scored. He's equalized for Saint-Etienne. In stoppage time at the end of the match. The five minutes of stoppage time are almost up. Di Maria, the cross back post. Oh, and they've done it! Mauro Icardi! In the 95th minute. And Paris Saint-Germain have won it at the death. Well, Robbie, it was quite a finale, wasn't it? Can I just ask you to tell me truthfully when Roman Amuma <laughs> scores on 92 minutes 2-2 deep down you thought that was it title PSG's could, could title challenge over no because you're such a professional and you were I do try I do try and and get and and believe in a neutral spirit when I am commentating of course but and I, and I will admit I could hardly believe it when it when it when they I mean, they seemed to give Denny Buwenga space for the shot. Then it was palmed straight into the path. Uh, Mitch Backer was caught ball watching. I mean, I, I don't, I don't like it in general when people say he was ball watching. The defender was ball watching. It's very, very difficult to be to be watching a defender behind you and also seeing a shot come in, see your goalkeeper make a save, and also have eyes in the back of your head. But yes, I guess the best defenders in the world do manage somehow to 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 have three sixty degree vision. Um, that's just a side note, almost a, a mini coup de girl, but, but not really. But, um, yeah, look, what a thrilling contest. I mean, Paris Saint-Germain was struggling. They were dominating. They were struggling to break down this Saint-Etienne side. Um, Claude Puel is all about organization and, and getting these kids to lift. They were, he's got a young squad. He left Buang, Denny Buenga on the bench, for example, at, at, at kickoff, uh, Arno Nordin was on the bench. He started with Wabi Kazri and Roman Hamuma. They had a couple of chances on the counter-attack, but not much. It was nil-nil at 75 minutes, and you sort of felt that probably Paris Saint-Germain might just edge it. They have the quality in that side to maybe get a result. What I don't think anyone was expecting was five goals in 15 minutes. It was it was spectacular. Um, the, the ball from the, the first goal... Against the run of play, but out of nothing for, for Denny Buenga. Paris Saint-Germain equalized immediately through a superb goal from Mbappe. And you saw just how full-on Mbappe was, how, how, how motivated he was, how much it meant to him. He then earned the penalty. There was a foul in the build-up. There was another foul immediately after on Mbappe. It was a, 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 dangerous, a, a, a dangerous action, if you like, that resulted in the penalty. Um, and yeah, Matt, as you said, could you believe it when when Roman when Roman Hamuma equalised? Roman Hamuma almost looked a little apologetic when he scored. I got the feeling he didn't really know. Oh my God, what have I done? It was one of those old school moments. Um, and then Di Maria hitting the post with the corner 
I mean, that takes a fair bit of a, a, a fair bit of courage to to try that. Um, his nutmeg and then cross for Icardi. Icardi, who's missed most of the season with injury, is there at the crucial moment. One chance, um, one goal for him. It, it, it was the stuff of, of fairy tales, the dramatic, everything you love about football, everything that we love about this football race in France this season was all there in 15 minutes of, of mad football. Do we think that, do we think that perhaps um, Paris Saint-Germain just slightly underestimated Saint-Étienne on the day? Because, I mean, they just come off the back of that amazing night against Bayern Munich and they came up against the Saint-Étienne side that, let's not forget, has been really good away from home of late. They've got four wins in their last five they had back-to-back wins, including the home win last week, 4-1 against Bordeaux. And maybe they put up a much better fight than perhaps Paris Saint-Germain were expecting. I don't, I don't think these... I'm not sure they underestimated them. I think that it's just that that game against Bayern Munich and the, the, the fallout of that has taken a lot of... Uh, took, a, took a lot out of them. And, and as you said, Saint-Étienne are a pretty decent side. They've been underperforming, I think it's fair to say, for much of the season... They found a good bit of form in, in, in recent weeks and they make life extremely difficult for, for teams. I just wanted to say, how good was that Kylian Mbappe goal, that first one? Oh, that was absolutely mm. and it was, yeah. fabulous. And it was the literally touch, the finish. Out oh, it was out oh, it was just it was just brilliant. And it was literally from the from the kickoff, wasn't it? Like the reaction to, to the Buanga goal. It was instantaneous. And yeah, it made me think Kylian Mbappe is not going to give up on this title uh, without a real fight. He's been a league champion every year since 2016-17 um, when he won it mm-hmm. with uh, with Monaco. And uh, it's going to, yeah, it's going to take quite something. And I liked his interview after the game as well, saying people have got to stop saying um, it's easy or we don't care about uh, about league. And we, we really do care and it is really, really hard. And we are going to dig in and, and try to win all, all of our matches to, to clinch this league title. And I think Angus... You know, we talked about Lille getting a late goal to to get the winner. I tell you what, when um, Di Maria crossed for Riccardi and Icardi scored that winner in the 95th minute, a lot of hearts would have sunk in Lille, in Monaco, in 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 Lyon. Did it, did did you not just get that feeling? Oh, this this could this could be it. I think it's it's easy to say that this is perhaps the pivotal moment of the season, but it's felt like we've been here before in the last few weeks. But Nevertheless, and particularly with Icardi scoring it as well, whose future is slightly under a cloud at Paris Saint-Germain, the, 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 the height at which he jumped to get that header was, was almost NBA-like. It was a phenomenal, phenomenal leap. And it was beautifully headed as well. He was in total control, headed it back across the goal so that the goalkeeper was going the wrong way. And you could see the way Kylian Mbappe leapt on him afterwards, what that meant. It was... It must admit it was a the 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 newsroom, if you like, at uh, where we were working went absolutely bonkers when that that goal went in. And I think yes, absolutely. I think that that really has sent a a big message to the likes of Lille, and it it warns Lille now. I think that they really can't afford to let things slip because otherwise Paris Saint Germain are coming for them. We feel that there are these seminal moments all throughout a season. Um, but the bottom line is, it's all going to keep going till the last day of the season. I, I guarantee you that with three points separating the top four, we have not seen the end of the drama here. It's not going to finish Lille, Paris Saint-Germain, Monaco, Lyon, in that order, separated by three points. Not all are going to win all five games. 
that remain and go all this way to the season. And, it, and, it, and if they do, it is going to be incredibly dramatic as well, right the way to the end. But I think we will look back and there'll be all sorts of moments throughout the season when, when this was a big moment. This is when Leon pulled it out. This is where Monaco showed that they were here to be counted on. This is where this, this slip-up, this, this mistake, all these sort of things. It's going, to be a, a, it's going to be so exciting this last month. I think that's what everyone should get on board and really look forward to this. And nobody seems to be out of it, even though, like Leon, we thought Leon were out of it. And suddenly they're back in it again. It's, it's just, it's wonderful. I just wanted to say that, uh, and with every pun intended, that PSG got a, a, a little bit of, a, of, of the rub of the green at the end because, <laughs> uh, because uh, Etienne Green absolutely smashed himself off the post trying to keep out that uh, Angel Di Maria corner and, and was clearly injured. I mean, Saint-Etienne, I mean, basically I could get a game and goal for them right now because they've got so many injuries. And but do you think he could have come for that corner? I had this conversation with someone saying the goalkeeper was injured. He should have come for the cross by Di Maria. I've watched it a hundred times. There's no way a goalkeeper would have got anywhere near it. I don't it. know whether he would have got anywhere near it, but he probably could have at least gone for it and maybe made Icardi's life a bit mm. more difficult. Um, but I, it's not a criticism. I think he was just, I think he just, just had a problem and he couldn't, he couldn't move. It was mm. it, the header was the header was great. Uh, Angel Di Maria's little nutmeg was was absolutely superb. Um, but you talked about this the, the twists and turns. I mean, if you look at PSG's running. They've got Mets coming up. Uh, they've dropped off a little bit. They've got Lance at home. Mm-hmm. Lance who beat them at the start of the season. I know the context was was very very special at that that stage. But Lance having a fabulous season. I think the the potential banana skin for me. Is PSG going to Ren three games from the end of the season? That that is tricky. Ren really starting to 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 play well. Terrier, Doku, and Guirassi look like they're forming a pretty handy little trio up front there. Um, well, that, that's that a tricky in, one. That goalie in that um, Terrier and uh, Doku actually combined for to open the scoring was one of the best goals I've seen this season. They l- literally opened up the defence. And it was beautiful. And in Doku, they've discovered a real superstar. Yes, and Ren were three nil victors away to Angers. Four wins and a draw under Pep Genesio now. And uh, sorry, Pep, did I call him Pep? Bruno Genesio. I'm so used. I'm so that's used him. to everybody calling him Pep Genesio. That's kind of you his... can call him Pep Genesio. <laughs> that's. Kind of... I can't believe it's actually so ingrained in my mind that they call him Pep. He gets called that quite a lot in France on, on, on the radio shows and stuff. But Bruno Genesio is doing, doing really well. Fair play to him because I, I had... A... We should be proud of our French coaches, Matt, especially after the comments uh, mm. over the weekend as well by Pablo Longoria. So it's Bruno Genesio and he's a French Robbie, coach. don't get me started with the Pablo Longoria. <laughs> Pablo Longoria was quite right in everything he said. And the reaction of people like Dominic and Comboare shows just how deep-rooted the, the issue is. We'll save that maybe for a summer special. On, on, on French It coaching. reminded me, I thought you were feeding Pablo Longoria his coup de girls <laughs> after yours a couple of weeks ago. Listen, um, if you want to get involved, if you've got a coup de girl, something you want to rant about or a question for us, do send us emails, league1podcast at gmail.com. We welcome all your feedback here on Le Bourgeois. We uh, really enjoyed the email that Alex Dement sent us from uh, Boston in the, in the US. Alex is a big, big Ligue 1 fan. And a big fan of Le Bourgeois, and we appreciate your support. Thank you very, very much. Um, before we bring in our Deja Who, um, this week's competition, we'll check out the third-place team, AS Monaco. They were 
in action on Sunday. They were away to Bordeaux. Looking at these two teams' forms, they're basically the mirror image of one another in, in that since December, Monaco have basically pretty much won every game and Bordeaux have pretty much lost every game. Um, this is what happened anyway at the Matmut Atlantique and uh, I am the commentator for this game. Possibilities here, Volant, Volant, brilliantly done. Oh, absolute class from Kevin Volant. His 15th goal this season and Monaco are in the lead here in Bordeaux. Monaco do win it high up the pitch. Oh, lovely ball from Chuamani. This is Jelson Martins and that... It's 2-0. Just two minutes into the second half and Monaco may well have wrapped this one up already. Chipped in by Kaya Henrique and surely Jovetic. Monaco have finished it off with a goal in the dying seconds. Jovetic with his sixth strike of the season. Yeah, a terrific performance again. I'm just looking at uh, L'Equipe newspaper Irresistible is their headline and there is something irresistible about Monaco at the moment they're just so strong all round um the defense unbelievable i think it's one goal conceded in their last 11 games um they did have there was one shot against the post from from Depreville but apart from that bordeaux really didn't look like scoring uh, against Monaco. Monaco could have got five or six uh, benyeda came back into the side having been on the bench for the last two league games and had come on and scored four goals in, in in those two games. Monaco are now, from their last 16, it's 13 wins, two draws, one defeat. Uh, they're two points off the top. I just wonder, I mean, if the season was 10 games longer than it is, I would be really confident Monaco would win the league. As it is, um, they obviously don't have their destiny in their own hands. But what a, what a job Niko Kovac has done. And when you look at this team, Robbie, there's so many young players, you know, the future is really exciting there. Absolutely. And one of the nice things about what Niko Kovac is doing, Matt, and you're right to pay to pay credit to him, is he's making just little changes as well. Like this week we saw Badishil and Maripan. The week before it was Disassi and Maripan with Badishil on the bench. He switched from playing a 3-5-2 when his side needed that, when they needed a bit more defensive security. Now they've moved back to four at the back. Jelson Martins, who's been out for a long time, he's returned now. There's no place for Sofian Diop, but he can come on and play his role at the moment. Golovin has forced his way into the side. Ben Yedder and Jovetic, he's, he's playing them off against each other. And he's doing it all because sometimes when a coach does all this tinkering, you can lose your players. You can, the players don't understand what they have to do to play, what they're, what they're not doing. What It seems with this Monaco side, the little changes, everyone says, ah, OK, so I've got to do a little bit more. Ben, even even when you get to Ben Yedder, who spends a month on the bench with Jovetic uh, back in, yesterday it wasn't the case. It was Ben Yedder who started and, and Jovetic came on to score. And everyone seems to be accepting it. And and that is a sign of, of something. And it's fair fair play. Christophe Galtier is doing the same thing and, and all the coaches are trying to do their thing. But it's the machine is absolutely purring at Monaco. And that's the difference. Robbie, I, I agree 100%. One area of the pitch that never changes, though... Um, almost yep. never is those two in the, the middle. two in the middle <laughs> and my goodness me they are absolutely brilliant Aurelian Chouameni and Yusuf Fofana are they're so strong complementary they don't mm. lose a ball they win endless balls and Chouameni set up Jelson Martin's goal 
I mean, they're just uh, at times. They, they must be very experienced uh, midfielders, Matt, who have been around and, and yeah. seen it all before. No, twenty. Oh no, they're twenty-one not. They're year olds. Um, <laughs> and it was, yeah, I, I think I mentioned it in the commentary. A bit, a sad sort of state of affairs, you know, that we're seeing at, at Bordeaux where, when they do produce a player like Aurelien Chouameni, and they had to sell him at the age of twenty to get twenty million euros for him. He's probably worth three times that now. Um, and yeah, it, it looked like men against boys that game at, at times. And I don't want to pin everything on Ben Arthur, but you know, guys like Ben Arthur, Tom Abasic, they're, they're talented players, but you know, Chuamani and friends were just sort of taking the ball away from them. Like you take a lollipop away from a, from a child on the playground. Um, don't know what I've never done that, man. No, well, <laughs> <laughs> but no, great, great players, great players. And uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's very exciting to see. Um, Ian, Monaco for the title. I mean, Monaco are going to be delighted if they get in the Champions League, aren't they? Well, exactly. And, you, and they, they do actually have a, their, their destiny in their own hands in that respect because they've got to play Leon at home uh, three games from, from the end. They've got a couple of tricky fixtures. They've got Ren at home as well. But I, I, you talked about the tweaking that uh, Kovac is, is doing. But, you know, you've got Ben Yedda, Jovetic and Folland. And those guys are experienced they know that they have to take a breather from time to time. They know that they have to sit out. I mean, Folland, uh, Kovac was helped by the fact that Folland had uh, bronchitis uh, the week before against Dijon. But, I mean, Monaco are just racking up the goals. 42 it is since the turn of the year. They've got 41 points since the turn of the year. I mean, I have to say, they. I, I said, look out for a couple of weeks ago when I was on the pod, look out for Monaco. They are on the absolute charge, and, and they really are. And as you said, what... That's four straight wins, four clean sheets. I mean, the goals. I, I I had to take my socks off to to count in the last in the last four games. Fabulous at Folland, fifteen goals in thirty games this season. I mean, I knew he was good, but he has just he has just hit the ground absolutely sprinting, uh, which is ironic because pace is far from his greatest strength. He's been brilliant for Monaco, arguably arguably signing of the season. Is is, is- top scorer without penalties? For Folland, must be nearly level with Kylian Mbappe, I'd say. 15 goals without penalties. Otherwise, the top goal scorers all have penalties boosting their, their tallies, I think. I think I think what's important about Folland as well, it's a bit like Ben Yedder. He gives so much to the team. This is not just a goal scorer. This is a guy who scores goals but actually fits brilliantly into virtually any side because he's a good player, he's an intelligent player, and he's a selfless player. And he and he's able to take the chances when they come along. It's he's absolutely perfect. I, I thought he was a bit pretty much a, a Wissam Ben Yedda doppelganger. He is. They're very very similar players, but I think they're completely disproving. And maybe the same with Laborde and uh, and Delors as well at Montpellier. They're disproving the fact that similar players cannot play together because Ben Yedda and Folland are absolutely fabulous. And, and Jovetic, to be fair, is a very similar player as well. And he's he's worked brilliantly too when he's come in for either of those. Well, for me, Volland is now getting back to the sort of form that he showed when he was at Hoffenheim, when he was absolutely spectacular with Firmino. Um, I find that uh, you say they're similar players. They are, but they seem to manage to keep out of each other's way as well. Um, Volland tends to stick more to the left-hand side of the box and Vincent Ben Yedder on the other side. And they seem to find each other. But I, what I find amazing is that this is a young side. I mean, they kicked out virtually the, the, the previous generation at the beginning of the season, he lost Kamal Glick, he went to Turkey, 
and that and it was it was seen that they would struggle because they don't have that experience to back up the youngsters. But the youngsters just seem to be coming through. I thought it was very intelligent what he did with Disassi because um, Maripan came in and took Disassi's place for a while. And Disassi has come back and is now showing the kind of form that he showed with Rance last year. And let's not forget, they had the tightest defence, even better than PSG in the last campaign. So he's able to, and nobody talks more to his players during a game than Niko Kovac. He is literally on their backs all the time. And of course, because there's no crowd this season, we're really hearing that, all of the coaches shouting. And we're really hearing the coaches that really say a lot. I mean, he's literally micromanaging the game from the sideline. Yeah, I it's, think that's it's quite yeah, impressive. That's a good point. And we re- I really heard that in, in, in the commentary. A lot of English, uh, a bit of German as well, and some French. Um, impressive linguistically. And but you're, but you're right. He always tells them this is you know we need to keep possession now or let's play it quicker. Just before the uh, the Volan goal, actually, he shouted to Badia Shil who had the ball in defence, and he was shouting Vid Vid Vid, and he did. He played the ball quickly up to Ben Yedda. He flicked it to Volan and uh, and a brilliant finish. I'm I'm pleased that I've got to the bottom of one mystery now. That terrible smell in the, in the commentary booth. I'm realising it's Ian. He's taking his socks off so he can count the number of <laughs> Monaco goals that, that these guys are scoring so that's that's good to know but uh, before we dwell we don't want to dwell too much on, on Ian's feet let's go for the deja who um, it's competition time if you think you know the answer get in touch last week's clue was I'm from the north but I made my name in the southwest of France within the last 10 years I played on both sides of the Garonne Derby divide split by a spell in England. I moved to Spain where things got very messy indeed. The answer to that one, Martin Braithwaite. Plenty of correct answers. Kev Sherwood, he uh, wrote in and he said, it was too easy. I didn't need to do research. Uh, Well done, Kev. Thomas DeRoy got it right. Cecilia Lai, Ed Scott, who uh, is a Middlesbrough fan, which uh, may explain why he likes Martin Braithwaite. Um, Dylan Topham, James Cathy and Adam Cyronic. Congratulations, guys. Um, if you think you know the answer to this week's Deja Who, do send in uh, your answers on the email league1podcast at gmail.com. Here we go. Time for this week's Deja Who. I was born in Paris, but started my career at the same club as Vieira and Zidane. I made my top flight debut against Ronaldo... Djorkaev and Baggio. I won a major league title in a capital city and I was coached by Deschamps, Ranieri and Capello but incredibly got just one France cap. That's a good one. Nice one, Ian. Um, Answers in please. League1podcast at gmail.com Our final uh, featured game then from the weekend. Before Leon played... Can I just throw in a red herring? Because that all those statistics, and this is uh, very though that those clues rather from from Mr. Holyman are very close to a certain Zumana Camera who uh, who and it's not him, but he played uh, when he was only nineteen. He went to Italy where he played with uh, all those incredible players and played with Ronaldo. Went and played in England as well, and he played for France once. And this is I often because I cross paths with. Uh, Zumana or Papus quite regularly and I saw him yesterday at the Parc des Princes but I didn't bring it up on this occasion I think he's sick of me talking about it his <laughs> one and only cap for France was against Australia and they lost 1-0 to Australia mm-hmm. and they were the world and European champions 
at that time, where uh, they came unstuck to a Clayton Zane goal. Frank LeBeuf was sent off, etc., etc. So there you go. But it's not Zumana Camera, the answer. No, the and the fact that Zumana Camera was playing that game suggests that perhaps France weren't at full strength, Robbie, or is that harsh? Oh, I think that's a little bit harsh. It's a little bit harsh. I think it was a um, was it a Confederations Cup game? Yes, I believe I it, was. it, might have believe it was. No, good yeah, player, exactly. good player. Zumana. I think Camera. Jeremy Jeremy Breche might have been uh, in that side as well. Zumana Camera. Zumana didn't start at the same club as uh, Vieira and Zidane. Um, no, exactly. Anyway, Robbie, keep keep guessing. See if you can get it uh, ahead of ahead of next week. I was just going to say, by the way, top of the league uh, before the big Sunday night clash between Leon. And uh, Nantes, we had Lille top on 70 points, PSG second with 69, Monaco third with 68. So Lyon needed to win to uh, to keep a pace with uh, that trio. They were away to Nantes. Andy Scott commentated this one. Slipped through for the captain. And Lyon have the lead inside five minutes. Memphis Depay. Their top scorer. Depay against Lafont and uh, the goalkeeper doesn't move. Memphis Depay emphatically converting from the spot. His second of the game, Lyon second. And they are firmly in control now. Not near Lyon two. Here's the header and what a save by Anthony Lopez. He can't do anything about the follow-up from Nicolas Palois. And Palois gets knocked back into this game. A goal for the big defender on his uh, 100th top flight appearance for the club. So Memphis Depay getting the uh, the job done for Lyon. Um, Angus, massive win, uh, massive defeat for Nantes as well, who are 19th and in big, big uh, trouble now. Um, Memphis Depay produced the goods with those two goals in the, uh, in the first half. What's incredible, Angus, with Lyon as well, is they play at home against Lille next weekend. If they win that, they move above Lille. And I, I just feel like this season we've been talking about Lille having this amazing season, Leon being inconsistent, and yet they're still there, aren't they? They're still in the title hunt. Yeah, they just they just keep coming back, and I think it's mainly due to Memphis Depay because he keeps on coming back and and helping them out every time. But also the man who's really coming through is Luca Paqueta. Paqueta is playing absolutely out of this world at the moment. Uh, he is weaving all of the uh, the attack together. Toko Ikombe is also uh, helping out as well on the left-hand side. They are they're producing, but in spurts. Rudy Garcia, let's not forget, he does have um, Ligue 1 pedigree. He won with Lille back in 2011, so he knows what it takes. But when they lost against Paris Saint-Germain quite comfortably a few weeks ago, a lot of people were saying this is the end of Lyon's title challenge. They're not going to be able to challenge. But like all the other teams, they keep on being helped out. And of course... This week, they were helped out by Lille's um, draw. So they two are still in there. And I still think Monaco, though, are probably the team to watch. I think Lyon are a little bit too inconsistent. But there's no doubt that um, they have got the players that can challenge. Well, they can't be that inconsistent, can they? Because because they're up there. But uh, but I, I I do know what you mean. It's like we talked about Lille. I mean, Lille. inconsistent with regards to the, with, with the, the level that they are playing yeah. at. Yeah, their play. Yeah, they're a bit inconsistent in that respect. And no, and I agree with you. We talked about Lille sort of losing to Nîmes. Lyon have uh, lost a home game to Metz. You know, things like that. Things, things that shouldn't happen. But they are still there, Ian. And they've got Lille this weekend, and then uh, 
and then they've got Monaco. So, I mean, that, you know, they've got a big role to play. Mm. They have. A, a, a ideal, isn't it? That's, that's what a, a team pushing for the title, or I don't know whether Lyon are actually pushing for the title. I think they, again, like Monaco, probably like Lille as well, they'd be quite happy with uh, the Champions League and anything else will be a bonus. But they've got the destiny in, in their own hands. We've talked about they, it with, with beat- the other teams as well. Yeah. They've got the opportunity to make the difference. I, I agree with Angus that I feel that Leon have of of all the four sides, they're the ones who've got the the surprise defeat in them. More even more so than Lille. I I think Paris Saint Germain and Monaco are, are too strong, too experienced, uh, too good, uh, too too much in form in Monaco's in Monaco's case to really slip up. But Leon Leon and Lille I see I actually see third place being between those two rather than I think Monaco and PSG will probably finish in, in the top two. I'm not willing to stick my neck out any further than that, but uh, I, I think that Leon, Leon and Lille between them will slip up at some stage. It's going to be it's going to be a fascinating game at the weekend, that's for sure. I don't think it's a defeat necessarily that they got in them, is it? They just keep drawing games, which is uh, not helping them, particularly away from home. And I think that is what's going to make them suffer because when you draw games, I mean, that's bad enough when you're at the bottom of the table trying to get away from trouble. But if you're going for a title and you're up against the likes of Lille, Paris Saint-Germain and Monaco, draws are just not going to cut it. A win, though, a win over Lille and they're going to go top. I mean, if they beat Lille, they'll overtake Lille. On, on points, and they, they've they also got Monaco as well. I mean, and if no, they lose, I, and I, if I they lose to Lille too. and they lose to Monaco, that's good night, Vienna, isn't it? Yeah, I'm not yeah. saying they can't do it, it's just that you know, particularly mm. away from home, they've drawn you know, yeah, yeah. their last few games, so that's the reason why they sort of dropped down below Monaco. And I thought they were, I thought they were a little bit lucky last night, quite frankly, not mm. to draw that game. Nantes put them, put them under quite a decent amount of pressure in the second half. It, it, it's, it's classically on. We talk, you talked about Pep Genesio earlier. He, he had the same sort of problem, real inconsistency, brilliant one moment, fairly average the next. And they were good in the first half. Depay doing the usual thing, lovely little finish, uh, I think it was for his first goal. Um, and then they just think the game seems to be won and it's in, they drop off and then Nantes come at them and when Nantes came at them, they didn't seem to have anything to to to, to go back at them with, and they were, they were hanging on a little bit. It wasn't it wasn't quite Paris Saint Germain Saint Etienne, but it was a little bit fraught. Fourteen Paris Saint Germain Nantes, where Nantes came from behind to beat PSG four weeks ago as well. Fourteen. Maybe we should be rediscussing Nantes. Sorry, man. Go 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 go. <laughs> Fourteen home games uh, without a win now for Nantes, who are who are almost. Well, they're not almost dead and buried, but with five games to go, they really do need to start picking up points if they're going to reel in uh, Nîmes, who are in 18th, Nantes in, in 19th, uh, Dijon all but down, but credit to them for for getting a victory over Nice uh, at the weekend. Let's just quickly look ahead to the games um, coming up round 34. Of course, we've mentioned the Sunday night clash, Lyon uh, against Lille. You can watch that in the uh, UK, 8pm, live on BT Sports, 9pm in France. Um, earlier that Sunday, Angers versus Monaco, five past five kickoff in France. Paris Saint-Germain have uh, a Saturday afternoon game. They're away to Metz. Pochettino's men um, would go top if they if they win that. They have the opportunity to play first as far as the front runners are concerned. Let's go on a on a bon voyage, and I'll put it to the panel as to which game they would like to go to this weekend.
I'm going to start with uh, Mr. Ian Holyman. Ian, what do you fancy? There is one obvious one, but I've got a feeling you guys are going to come up with some original ideas. Nope. I'm nothing if not obvious. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) is there really really anywhere else you want to be but the Group Armour Stadium on, on Sunday night? Leon against Lille. I rest my case. Fair enough. Fair enough. No, absolutely. I mean, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a stonking game. <laughs> Robbie, originality. Where are you going to go? Uh, originality from Robbie Thompson talking about French football. So does that mean I can't go to Mess for Mess PSG? No, either? you can. You can. Um, I will because also that game um, for PSG comes just before a, a Champions League semi final against a City at home. Um, on the 28th of the month, so four days before that, they're going to travel to Metz. Um, they can't afford to take their eyes off the ball in this contest either against Metz. Metz, who are a side that are, yes, they've they've dropped off in terms of results. I think that's just because physically for this team, perhaps it's been just a little bit too far, not without a without a really top-recognised goal scorer for Metz this season at the start of the campaign anyway. So I think that's, it's just proving a, a little too far this, uh, this too long this season for Mets, but they're still a very hard team to beat. And I expect they'll push Paris Saint-Germain all the way. And if Paris do have one eye on, uh, on the visit of Manchester City, then it could be a, another turning point in this title race. Yes, indeed. Soon to be a Super League classic perhaps if PSG agreed to go to the Super League. But we're not we're not going to talk about that this week. We're going to talk about we're gonna to stick to, to Super Liga. Um Angus to Road, where do you fancy going next weekend? Well I think in terms of uh, bearing in mind the obvious ones have now gone, I quite fancy going to the Allianz Riviera where Nice are starting to look a bit better. I know they lost against Dijon inexplicably at the weekend, but <laughs> overall they've been on very much an upward curve under Adrian Ursia, whose position in Nice is also by far from being solid, but I think that he's actually putting together now a fairly decent team. And Montpellier, I think, are always worth watching, whether or not they're conceding at the back or whether or not they're combining those uh, beautiful front players that they have coming forward. So I think that's actually going to be quite a nice game to watch. Good for you, Angus. I think there are plenty of nice games to watch. I'm going to go to Rouse, um, partly because I've, I've run out of champagne, so I need to pop along and just, uh, you know, fill up my, my cav. Um Rouse are playing Marseille, and that's the other reason I want to go. I want to see how Jorge Sampaoli's uh, men get on. Um, Armel Tangi, our, our absent friend, uh, mentioned this morning that Sampaoli now has as many wins this season as Andre Villas-Boas managed during the uh, his, his his time in the first half of the season, which I found incredible. Four wins uh, for Sampaoli, four for, for Villas-Boas. Um, and apparently the uh, Mr. Lage got, got a couple as well. Ian? Um, yeah, what did you want to I, say? I just want I just want to take issue with with you there, Matt. You were you were criticising me for my uh, my obvious choice, and I, I was going to, in my defence, I was going to go Nice Montpellier. That's that's my second choice. Although the reason for me was absolutely nothing to do with the football, but I just fancy some nice weather, quite frankly. Yeah, well, I tell you what, I was down in Monaco last week, and it rained cats and dogs, or or string, as the French say, it rained cords. Um, and it was freezing all week down in the south. But I think the weather's getting better. So fair play, Ian. Um, we're, we're, we're going off subject once again. I do hope everybody has enjoyed the latest edition of uh, Le Bourgeois. Thank you, Angus, for a very, very solid, very impressive uh, debut. Congratulations. <laughs> thank you. Robbie Thompson, your place could be under threat for next week. Ian Holyman, thank you for 
for, for coming on board. It was good fun. Thanks to everybody for listening. We'll be back with another edition of Le Bourgeois very soon. All the best. Have a good week. Bye-bye. I will respect the coach's choice. Thank you. As ever, Goodbye, as ever, Robbie. Cheers. <laughs> oh, Benyatta, beautifully done. Sensational.